Well, good morning, guys. Um, welcome. My name is Ricky. I am one of the pastors that serves here. You know, a few years back, I had a backpack that I had had with me for 12 years, and the bottom of it had started to become see-through, and I kept kind of just waiting for it to fall out, and eventually it was just like, yep, this backpack is really, it's done. I can't haul anything else in it. And so it came time for me to get a new backpack, and I have at least what I refer to as poor boy syndrome. And so, like, spending money on myself or spending money on things is sometimes just really hard. And uh, you're like, no, that's not poor boy syndrome. That's just a cheapskate. Um, you know, you're just, uh, you're just tightwad. But um, so, so I'm, I go into kind of this search mode of like, okay, how can I find a deal? Because who doesn't love a good deal? And so I'm doing this research, and I find, a, you know, and my wife, Christy, during this time, she's like, make sure that you get a good backpack get something that's really good, and I'm like, all right, hey, you know who makes a good backpack? Swiss. They make a good one, but wait a minute, you know who makes a, probably a, a good Swiss backpack is this weird company that I have nothing, no clue about, but is selling for one of these for like $10. Oh, that's a really good deal, even though they're usually like 50 bucks. Oh, man, th th it's got to be real, right? And so I buy it, and it literally broke within a week. Um, and I think a bunch of you are like, yes, I think all of us knew that that was a bad, cheap knockoff. You should have known better. And Christy reminded me that she was correct in, like, I told you so. Um, and, you know, it was, and the thing that bugged me about it the most, it wasn't that the, ex exactly that the backpack broke, but this is what really bothered me, was that it ended up being just a waste. Right, I wasted my money. I ended up wasting my time, all of this stuff, and it wasn't, it wasn't time well spent, it wasn't money well spent, and eventually I just had to just go and find you know, a backpack that I probably should have bought to begin with. But we're all the same way. Right? We do, you, you, you don't like to waste things. Whatever is valuable to you, whatever you think is, is important in your life, you don't want to waste that thing. So if, you, if you're like me, you're like, hey, you know what? Money does have some value. I don't like to waste that. I want to make sure that I'm spending it wisely, stewarding it well, getting a good deal. Maybe for some of you, you're like, nope, I'm fine wasting money, no problem. Maybe you're a time person. I don't really, I mean, you, you don't want to waste your time. You want to make sure that you, are, you know, if you're with friends, you want to make sure that, hey, we're, we're diving into good conversations, doing that well. Um, you know, if you, if you get a babysitter for the kids, you're like, whatever, we have paid somebody else to watch the kids so that we can have time not with our kids. And you want to make sure, let's use that really wisely. Um, our, I know our kids, we limit their screen time, and they're, you know, Everly will watch these shows that she likes. Oh, and then the boys will kind of watch it, and they're like, oh, hey, is that your screen time? Nope, 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 nope. I don't want to waste it on that. Maybe you're a calorie counter. Man, you don't want to waste your, your calories on, like, gummy worms, although Chrissy thinks they're amazing. No, I'm going to waste those on cookies. Uh, maybe you're in a relationship, and you kind of find out that, hey, I don't think this is maybe going to go anywhere. And then you kind of like, well, I don't, I don't want to, if I know that it's not going anywhere, I don't want to waste my time. So for each and every one of us, whatever it is that you value, you want to make sure that it is worthwhile, that, that it's well spent, that you use it well, rather than wasting it. But here's the deal. In our world today, are we, are you actually in danger of wasting the very most important thing that you have? 
because of society, because of our own heart drift, are you in danger of wasting the most important thing and you wouldn't even know it? It'd sneak up on you and you'd get to the end of your life and you would maybe not even realize it. And today in Titus, Paul brings light to, hey, what is a worthwhile life? What does that look like to have a well-spent life? And what does it look like to have a wasted life or even for us to be a wasted church? And so if you've got a Bible, open up to Titus chapter 3. Titus is in the New Testament. It's pretty far to the back of the Bible. But I, I do encourage you to open it, make some notes in there, and we're going to underline, circle, highlight some stuff. So Titus chapter 3, verse 8. So it says, this is a trustworthy I want you to insist on these things so that those who believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are good and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish debates, genealogies, quarrels, and disputes about the law because they are unprofitable and worthless. Now, notice in these two verses that that there's this kind of contrast, compare and contrast. So, uh, verse 8. He says, I want you to insist, circle, underline, highlight, insist, insist on these things. And so he's saying, hey, I want you to to focus here. I want you to stand firm on this. Have your confidence strongly here. Focus your energy, your time on these things. Your life and your mind needs to be dwelling right here. And when he says these things, He's talking about just what, or he's pointing us back to the previous verses. Hey, all the things that I just got through telling you, that's what I want you to focus on. And all of these things in these previous verses are are basically just the gospel. I want you to focus on Jesus, who he is, what he has done for you. And so um, in verse 3, hey, you once were this. You were once dead in your sin. You were once acting like this. But verse 4, but when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared. Talking about Christ. When Jesus appeared, he saved us. Jesus died on a cross. He paid the price for our sin in our place. The death that you and I rightfully deserved, Jesus died in our place. He paid the price for us. He lived as perfectly as, as a man, and then he saved us. And in verse 4, he says, he saved us not because you're a good person, not because you grew up a certain way, not because you, you go to church, not because you don't do really bad things, none of that. Not because you earned it, deserved it, no, none of that. It says, he saved us, verse, verse 4, um, or 5, sorry, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. That's how Jesus saved us. He saved us according to his mercy, his grace, by his doing. And, and he, we were separated from God, and because of Jesus died and paid the price for our sin and rose again, he cleanses us of our sin, forgives us, and brings us to God, reconciles us into this new relationship with Jesus. And he poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. And so we're this new creation in Christ. And this is, again, all by His grace, by what He has done for us. And so Paul says, these things that I just got done telling you, insist on these things. That's what I want you, your, your life, to focus on. And then look at verse 9. But avoid. 
circle, underline, highlight, avoid, but, but, but avoid, shun, I think of, you know, uh, The Office, Dwight Schrute, shunned, unshunned, um, you know, but shun, hey, stay away, don't get involved with, have nothing to do with this stuff. For, for me, when I think of this, I think of, you know, my kids are older now, so this is definitely where I'm at, because it's like, hey, I've been there, done that, but if, but if one of my friends, and they have a little kid, and they have a dirty diaper, I'm just like, that, that's what it is, like, I ain't getting involved. I, you know, I don't, oh, hey, you want to help? No. No, that's your kid, that's their dookie, go. Yeah, I don't need to be involved with this at all, right? And so this is what he's saying, hey, what, are you to, what do you need to avoid like a dirty diaper, Verse, verse 9, foolish debates, genealogies, quarrels, and disputes about the law. And so he's saying, hey, these are things that you just need to get away from. And he doesn't exactly explain, hey, what all of this exactly looks like. But some of them could have been, when it says quarrels about the law, these, these silly controversies, it could have been, hey, um, if, if there's um, an egg laid on the Sabbath, can you eat it? Hey, can you, um, what sort of wick or oil should you use for candles to burn on the Sabbath? And basically, all these disputes about the law, these little things. Hey, can we do this? Can we do that? Should we do it like this? Because what was happening with a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of the, the people from the Jewish background is they started to make the law what it was not intended to be. Hey, it's just this thing to make sure, are you, are you doing everything? Check, check, check. Rather than, the, because the law was rather something that was meant to show us our sin and point us to Christ. And it's like, hey, all these people are actually using the law in a way that it's never intended to be. And then he says, um, you know, avoid, avoid those things, avoid these genealogies. Now, for us, that's not a big thing, but, but back then, that, might, you know, that was just, hey, it was so important of who your ancestry was and, and all of that. And, and hey, does that kind of put you in, in a special group or anything like that because, because of who you are? And so all of these these controversies, all of these quarrels, they're, they're, they're leading to division. They're leading to this dissension. And he's like, hey, I want you to insist on the gospel, but all this other stuff, avoid it. Don't get caught up in it. And Jesus lived this out so well. Jesus was extremely focused on his mission and the gospel. He says, hey, I've come to preach the good news. He says, I've come that you may have life. I come to proclaim freedom for the captives, healing for the brokenhearted. He says, I came to call sinners to repentance. And even he says that he set himself to Jerusalem. Man, his, his heart was set to go to Jerusalem because why? Man, that I need to go die on the cross. And, and yeah, was Jesus controversial? Yeah. But Jesus didn't really get caught up in a lot of those controversies. If you notice, Jesus is just following the Father, perfectly obeying him, and he didn't go looking for arguments. The people came to him. The Pharisees came to him. Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And if you notice, when Jesus responds to them, he doesn't actually really argue about their, what they're wanting to argue about. He just turns it back to the heart, turns it back to, to like something deeper that's actually just not really about the argument itself. And so Jesus kept the main thing, the main thing. And I think for us, we could go through the Gospels and we can read those stories and we'd be like, oh yeah, I'd totally not be like that. I wouldn't get caught up in that stuff. Man, those people were dumb. 
I wouldn't argue about the Sabbath, stuff like that. But how much of your energy this last year, or even maybe right now, went into arguing your opinion about things? How much time did you spend arguing about politics? Dynamics about COVID, masks, just, just kind of these silly, more peripheral things. I'm not saying that they don't matter. I'm not saying that. But did they matter too much in your life? You know, we, we can argue about lots of things. Hey, this is the right way uh, to educate kids and the right way to school children is, hey, is, this person is a really good coach. That person's not a really good coach. Oh, this point about Calvinism. We could get into to church you know, doctrine and all of that, and we just get caught up in it. I mean, I remember meeting a friend in, in my huddle, and, uh, and I, I'm really actually not into politics that much. But one way or the other, in this conversation, I ended up making it about politics. And at the end of it, I thought, man, I really wasted a lot of our time. Not that, we, not that we can't ever talk about it, but I was like, I ended up asking him all these questions, and it ended up being almost our whole conversation. And I just didn't, didn't like how I ended up spending our time. And, and again, I get it. We can talk about various topics. We can discuss, even disagree on things. But again, we put a, a lot of times we put a lot of our energy into controversies and arguments. And again, it's not that they don't matter. But do they end up mattering too much in our minds, in our time, in our hearts? I mean, do you prefer reading a blog or an article about a controversial topic or something that helps you dive deeper into the goodness of God? Right? Your Facebook feed will tell you. They'll suggest things for you. Is it like, oh, gospel, here's how you can know Christ better. Right? It's probably no, like, controversies. Do you get more fired up talking about Jesus? Or just some lame argument? What would your social media tell you? Your Google searches, your conversations with others? Are you insisting on these things? Man, that the grace of God has appeared. He saved us according to his mercy. Or is it foolish argument? Quarrels? All these things. And, 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 and Paul tells us, not, not just like, hey, do this, don't do that, but he tells us why. Tells us why that this is so important. So look at verse 8. Insist on these things so that those who have believed God, those who are trusting in Jesus, those who are saved, those who are following him, Christians, that they, would, <clears throat> that they might be careful to devote themselves to good works these are good and profitable for everyone. Circle, underline, highlight, profitable for everyone. The gospel and a gospel-lived life, that's worth something. I mean, he just says it. Hey, if, you, if you're devoting yourself to the gospel, if you're insisting on these things, that's going to produce actually you living differently, and that is profitable for everyone. That's excellent. And, and the, I mean, those words there means that, that it's, it's beautiful, that it's actually even beyond precious for everyone. That's why, man, this is worth something. And then in verse 9, hey, I want you to avoid these things. And then he says, because, circle, underline, highlight, 
They're unprofitable and worthless. Hey, you could, you could have your life focus on what matters, what's really worth something, worthwhile, or you can waste your life on stuff that's worthless. That, that's, it's just empty. It's useless. It, it really isn't worth anything. It's going to get you nowhere. So avoid that stuff. So how many of you, question for you, how many of you lately have kept up with the political dynamic in Suriname? Right? Suriname, it's a, it's a country in South America. It's just above Brazil. I, probably most of you are very familiar with it. So how many of you have been keeping up with the political dynamic there? No one? I'm very shocked. <laughs> right? You, and you're kind of thinking like, Ricky, that's a lame question. And it's meant to be. But, um, but, but yeah, n none of us are keeping up with it. Why? Because we don't belong there. We don't belong to Suriname. Probably none of us have ever even been there. Some of you are like, I've never even actually heard of it. Right? And the reason that you don't keep up with, with what's going on there is because you don't belong there. And what we easily forget is that we think that we ultimately belong to just this world rather than belonging to the kingdom of God. Right? And, and a lot of our energy and time and, and just everything is spent trying to, to research and argue and all these things to something that we don't ultimately belong to. Right? And we get it with Suriname. But do we get it in our everyday life? And, and actually, we're just blind to it. And you think of, man, all of this last year, what was I spent focusing on? Was it spent focused on the kingdom that Jesus like saved me to? Or is it just all this other stuff? And so he, he's, he's telling us this. Man, hey, you... you this is who you belong to. You once, I mean, in verse 3, he says, you once were foolish. Hey, that used to be your life. But Jesus saved you from your old life to a new life in him. Verse 7, it says this, we have been justified, declared um, not guilty, declared righteous, but because Jesus credited us with his righteousness, by his grace, we have become heirs. Right? This, this is where you belong to. You're an heir of that, of, of his kingdom. And he says, with the hope of eternal life. Hey, you no longer belong to the, the kingdom of this world. You belong to God's kingdom. And you're an heir, not of just like your parents' stuff or, or just whatever this world could give you. You're an heir of Christ, with Christ. And hey, your hope, what you're actually placing your hope in isn't in this world but it's in eternal life, which is in Jesus. And so that's why I want you to insist on these things, because this is where you belong. This is what you've been saved to. This is who you are. This stuff is worth something. That stuff, if you devote it, that's not where you belong, and it'll ultimately get you nowhere. Stress whatever is excellent, whatever is profitable, whatever, rather than what is empty and worthless. And I'd say a big part of actually growing in your relationship with Christ, because some of you are like, how do I know which is which? And I'd say that's part of growing in your relationship with Christ. Right? Romans 12, 2. Be renewed. Do not be conformed to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to discern what is the good, perfect, pleasing will of God. Right? You, you are able to discern which is which. This is Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It says, let us throw off everything 
everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Hey, so if some of these things you're really spending too much focus on getting all caught up in, if that's hindering you from fixing your eyes on Christ, Hebrews says, throw that off. Man, that's just extra weight. That's extra baggage. It's hindering you from doing that. And let us run what Jesus has marked out, out for us. And, then in, and so it says, hey, that could be wasting your life, or it could be a worthwhile life. But then he goes farther and he says, hey, because if you, keep, if you do this, this can lead us to be divisive. And so that's where Paul goes next, verse 10. Verse 10, it says, reject a divisive person after a first and second warning. For you know that such a person has gone astray and is sinning. He is self-condemned. And so, sorry, I didn't actually even meet, mention it, but the first point was, hey, is it a worthwhile or is it a wasted life? Is it a worthwhile or wasted life? The second point is this, worthwhile or wasted church? Worthwhile or wasted church? And so, notice that Paul says to address a divisive person. He doesn't say, hey, anybody who disagrees... Anybody who just kind of falls out of line, get them. Right? He just says, hey, the person that's actually being divisive, a person that, that, is, that is wrestling others up. And so um, it's okay if you're wrestling with things. It's, okay. it's actually good if you're like, hey, what does this mean? I'm not really sure. Hey, this person said that, and I'm not, you know, I'm not being divisive. I'm just wanting to figure this out, and I'm wanting to, to do that. I mean, it's okay to even have disagreements. We have disagreements on staff on certain things, but it's not divisive. We're still a team. We're still, we're still all committed to Christ. And we just end up like, hey, we can have a real discussion about it, but we don't get caught up in it. And so, so he says like, hey, it's not just a person that disagrees, but he's like, hey, a person that's being divisive. You need to warn them, and then if they don't ultimately repent, reject them. Now let's admit... I don't think anybody's like, oh my gosh, I love these verses. I just can't wait to go and warn somebody and reject them. Uh, maybe if I, if a couple of you are like, yeah, I did it this morning. But this, this doesn't really sit very well with us in our culture today because we really value the individual above community. Self-expression is one of our highest values. You always think, man, I always need to have the freedom to express whatever I'm thinking, whatever I'm feeling. And, and, and there, there is place for that, but, but in here, this, Paul is saying, hey, if you have a divisive person, that's going to lead to a divided church. Not, not somebody that disagrees, not somebody that has a different opinion, but somebody that's divisive will end up dividing the church. And, and the, the community unity is very important. I mean, in Ephesians 1, Paul says, that the climax of God's eternal plan, the fulfillment of his will, and his good ple ple pleasure is to bring all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Hey, that, that's what Christ is doing, to unify things in himself. In Ephesians 2, he describes how the cross has united a divided humanity into a new humanity. In Ephesians 3.10, he says that God's intent is that through his blood-bought unity of the church... Hey, this is, this is what I'm dying for this. I'm, for, for my blood to have this church unified, that 
so that the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to rulers, authorities, and, and in heavenly realms. Hey, by your unity, this will be a light to everyone around you. In Ephesians 4, 3 through 6, he encourages us and he says this, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, and just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So protecting the church and, and, the, and to help encourage the unity of the church, this is near and dear to not just Paul's heart, but really God's heart. Right? I mean, Jesus died for it. And, and, and again, I get it. If, if a church, if there are some, again, notice that he says, hey, don't, don't be, have a person that's divisive, but also this is like silly arguments, controversial things. If a church is, is not preaching the gospel or they're just blatantly avoiding and walking in sin or even church leadership, I'd say, yeah, go address that. Go talk to, to church leadership. Or if you're like, hey, I have some questions, I have some problems, like come talk to us entirely on that. Um, but at the same time, he's like, hey, if it's kind of like controversial stuff, I don't want your unity be, to be compromised by those things. And I'll just say, church, I'm so proud of you. I mean, this last year was a really hotbed for controversial things, right? I mean, it was lots of stuff going on. And, and here was the, the, I thought, just a beautiful thing. And I'm just, I'm so thankful for you guys, I'm so thankful for what God has done uh, just in, in, in your hearts. I know that people in here have different opinions on different things, on politics, on COVID, what, I mean, whatever it might be. But here's what I didn't see. I didn't see division. I didn't see people thinking that, man, I need to get hung up on, on this issue and I need, to, I need to ring that bell. No, I saw a church that said, hey, we have our opinions and we can talk about those things in good, meaningful ways, but we're looking to Jesus. And so I just want to say thank you. Thank you. I mean, I heard lots of, of pastors here in town. They're like, oh, man, you're getting lit up, I bet. I'm like, no, no, no. I think this whole time I got one email, and it wasn't that bad. Mm -hmm. Like, that was it. Um, you know, and so great job. And so what does this div divisive person look like? Well, he, he doesn't look like somebody that's carrying out verse Verse 9, where it says, hey, avoid these things. This person's diving into these things, diving into the controversies, diving into these foolish arguments and focusing on them. They're, they're also probably stirring up other people into it to try to get other people to, to join in with them with what they think. They're getting them riled up. And a device, divisive person doesn't have a concern for unity. They're actually not trying to bring people together. They're trying to divide. They're try, and they, they typically, I'd say, that they assume that they know best. In Proverbs 10 and 11, it says that the wise and prudent can hold their tongues. Or maybe if it's somebody gossips a lot, complains a lot, I would say that that's maybe an indicator that, that either you or they could be a very divisive person. I like how Tim Chester, um, a pastor, put it. He said, when it comes to grumbling or gossip, complaining, we should be a cul-de-sac, not a channel should be a cul-de-sac, not a channel, because if something comes into a cul-de-sac, it's not going anywhere, right? It's going to stop. But if you're a channel, it's just all going to flow through you. And so when it comes to gossip and complaining, may we be that cul-de-sac that is just like, hey, it's just not going to go any farther. I'm not going to keep talking about this. I'm not going to get involved. 
It's just going to stop here. Rather than a channel, this is what <clears throat> James 1.19 says. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And so a question for you, kind of track with me here. It says, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Are you quick, slow, slow? Are you quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry? Or are you slow, quick, quick? Right? Are you sl slow to listen, quick to speak, quick to become angry? And so what kind of characterizes you? You know, if you're a person that, yeah, that is me. I am. I am pretty quick to become, or s slow to listen, quick to speak, quick to become angry. And I just say, hey, that's, that might be, a, a, I'd say that probably really is an indicator of some pride in your life. That you're like, hey, you know what? I know best. I know what's up. You know, or, or, or that you've, you've kind of given yourself over to something that e even maybe if it's a good thing, isn't meant to be an ultimate thing. And you're just given over to it. And it's kind of become an idol in your life. Or maybe even your own opinion has become an idol to your life. And so be slow, or, or be quick, slow, slow. Quick to listen, slow, slow to speak. Or, yeah, and slow to become angry. And again, just like, you know, if you're like, yeah, I do struggle with that. Hey, remember, just like verse 6 says, that, that God, Jesus, has poured out his spirit and he generously to us. And so the Holy Spirit helps you in this. And so that, that's just kind of like, what does a diver, diversive person look like? And then, so then what does Paul say? Hey, if somebody is doing that, if they're not avoiding the controversies, they're going, they're diving in and they're, and they're stirring people up and they're being divisive. What do you do? They're constantly arguing, Paul tells us, verse 11, or um, verse 10, man, hey, you warn them once, you warn them twice, and then you're just kind of done. You just reject them. You warn them once, you warn them twice, and if they don't repent, if they don't turn away, have nothing to do with them. Now, I want you to think, like, this isn't just you, any person in your life that disagrees with anything that you think. It's not just you just going around like, oh, shunned, bap, you know, and just going around like getting people because someone's causing problems, someone doesn't agree, agree with everything that you think. Remember, th Paul, Paul is writing to Titus. He's writing to a church community. This is to be done in community. And, and Titus, not that he's the only person that can do this, but he's like, he's writing to you. This is what you need to do as a church leader. And so I'd say if somebody is, is within the church family and they're being really divisive, you know, I'd say before it gets to just reject them, for, for sure before that third step, I'd say, hey, talk to us. Because this is something to, to do in community. Because if you just kind of go around like quick pulling triggers and quick like argue, you know, then you just kind of get in there and you argue with them and then you just like, oh, you didn't agree. And, and you reject them. That's probably actually going to lead to more divisiveness. You know, and so I'd just say, hey, in... in involve us in, in some ways, not because we just want to go around being quick to do that either, but just to protect the, the church in this. I mean, that's what, what is behind Paul's heart here and um, for the unity of the church. And this is very similar. What Paul says is to what, very similar to what Jesus said in Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17. And Jesus says this. He says, hey, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Hey, if, it's, if they sin... Just between the two of you. 
You don't need to make this public. You don't need to go gossip about it. You don't need to go Facebook post about it and be like, hey, somebody has sinned against me. What should I do? Jesus has told you. Just the two of you, if they listen to you, you've won them over. Awesome. Praise God. Right? But if they will not listen, take one or two others. And I think that would be a good, set, good step, hey, where you're getting kind of some um, other people, church leadership, community involved, so that the matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. You know, you, you kind of go um, bigger, and if they refuse to listen, to even to the church, treat them as a pagan or a tax collector. And so he's laying this out. Hey, if you warn them once, warn them, to, you know, then maybe get another person to go with you uh, to warn them again, not, not to go argue with them. Again, that's not the point, but it's just to warn them. And hopefully, um, you know, and if they don't listen, then reject them. It's, you know, and it says that, you know, that if they don't listen, even then they've gone astray. And verse, verse 11 says... You know, that a person has gone astray, they're twisted, they're warped, they're sinning, and um, they're self-condemned. Because of their unrepentant heart, they're actually just kind of condemning themselves. They're not concerned for the, the unity of the church. They're given over to their pride. And again, I don't want us to just be this quick to pull the trigger people that we're just ready to pounce on anybody that disagrees with something or just slips up. But we do take the unity of the church seriously. And, and I want you to notice something, though, in this. What is the heart that is behind this, that, that, that he is giving them? You know, um, even in Matthew, why, why do this? You know, this isn't with a harsh spirit or tone. Hey, just go warn them. In Galatians 1, it says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, who li- you who live by the Spirit, you should restore them gently. Hey, this is in gentleness. In, in Ephesians 4, it says, speak the truth in love. Because the reason that, we would, that you or, or I or anybody would confront somebody is this. It's not to just point out how they're wrong. That's not, that's not the reason that, that Paul is saying this. I mean, yes, there's the church unity part, but it, it, it's this. It's not so that you could punk them. It's so that you can restore them. I mean, just like it says in Galatians, so that talk to them gently so that you could restore them. You want them to repent. Even earlier in Titus, he says, rebuke them sharply so they may be sound in the faith. So they can walk according to, to the gospel. In, in 2 Timothy 2, it says, opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and they will come to and, and that they will come to their senses and escape the tra- um, escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. And so, hey, in this to know, you know, if you're thinking, hey, is this person kind of doing that? They're sinning against me. They're being divisive. I just say, check your motives first. Is it because that you love them and you want to see them be restored and, and repent, or are you just thinking, I know better than they do? Because if you're just thinking that, you're kind of actually just falling into that trap of pride, just like them. It's like, no, actually, I love you. I care about you. It's not me wanting to play police here. It's because I want to see um, the church protected as far as unity goes and to restore you. Not just because we disagree, but because there's divisiveness going on. And so, if in all of this, again, Paul just says, hey, the, the, these are the things that I ha- I'm calling you to do. 
insist on these things. Insist on the gospel. Insist on who Jesus has made you and avoid these foolish controversies. Avoid all of these things that the world gets caught up in. And I just want to give you, hey, what is at stake if we don't do this? What's at stake if we insist on the wrong things and avoid the right things? Or what's at stake if we're just like, oh, hey, people are being divisive. No big deal. There's three things that are at stake if we don't follow through with what Paul is, is showing us here today. First thing is this. You'll miss out on what's best. If you're insisting on the wrong things and you're avoiding the right things, you'll miss out on what's best. You know who got caught up in all these controversies and everything? That was the Pharisees. The religious leaders during when Jesus came um, and, and walked the earth was in flesh. And so they're so hung up on these, these controversies and arguments and they keep coming to Jesus trying to trap them. Do you know what the Pharisees missed? Jesus. Do you know what the Pharisees missed? God in flesh right in front of them. I mean, he's there. He's healing people. He's preaching. He's literally right there. And they missed it. Could the same thing happen to you? That really, the, the beauty of God, the goodness of God, the grace of God, the love of God that is being lavished out onto you, and then he's revealing to you who he is, his heart, could you miss it? Because you're insisting on silly things that aren't primary. Silly things to get caught up in. And you've just missed Jesus. I mean, that, that could easily happen to us, and if we focus on all, you know, the latest hot top article, you'll miss a love, miss a life. Focus on the love and kindness of Jesus. You'll miss out on Jesus' heart revealed to you, coming alive to you, and coming alive in you. And so, first thing that's at stake is you'll miss the best. Second thing is this: what you behold, you become. Whatever it is that you behold, whatever it is that you focus on, that's what you become. All of us will behold something. Right now, whether you know it or not, whether it's God, whether it's something else, you are, your heart, your affections, your energy, your hope, what you live for, like it is said, you're beholding something. Think of it this way. Drowning. When, when somebody drowns, they don't die from holding their breath. When somebody drowns, they die because they're breathing in water. Right? When you are not breathing in air, so your lungs are created to breathe in air, oxygen, when you're not breathing in the stuff that you're created to breathe in and you're breathing in water, that's what kills you. This is, and this is true of us physically and it's true of us spiritually. You are, your soul is breathing in something. And it is, is it something that is meant to give you life or is it something that is not meant to give you life? And you're, because your soul can't hold its breath. You're going to be breathing in something. You're going to be beholding something. And whatever that is, that's what you're going to become. This is what 2 Timothy 2, 16 says. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge it will become more and more ungodly. Hey, if you get in there, that's what it, you're going to become less and less like Jesus. Because you're not beholding Jesus, you're not going to become more like him. And if your soul, your heart, your time, 
your energy is spent breathing in just controversies, foolish arguments, you will become a person that is less and less like Jesus. If that's what you're constantly breathing in, you'll become a person, like it even just says in verse 10, that's divisive. You may try to convince yourself that you're being some sort of warrior for, for justice or for Jesus, some sort of guardian of truth. But you will just be held captive by your passions or, or by things that are either empty or at best not primary. And that's what's going to be holding you captive. You're, you're totally on there. But you will become a person, you know, if you're insisting on those things, whose hope is in temporary things. Your identity will be further and further away from your true identity in Christ. But notice what verse 8 says. It, gives, it says, hey, insist on these things. Insist on the good things, the excellent things in Jesus. Breathe him in, into your heart, into your soul, his goodness, so that you will be devoted to good works. Man, the more that you, your life, you're breathing in Christ, the more that you're going to look like Christ. The more that your heart is going to reflect Jesus' heart. And even in Titus 2.14, it says you're going to be eager to do good. Why? Because you're breathing in what is good in Christ. We, we are to stress the gospel so that we live the gospel. We're to stress the good that God has done for us so that then we actually are eager to, to do good for others. I mean, this is true for us individually, and this is true for us as a church, collectively. We want to stress the gospel as a community, what Christ has done for us. We want to value Christ over controversies. We want to value, um, we want to be a people that lo- are, are so about loving others, not loving to argue. Because if we stress those things, that's who we will become. So you, whatever you behold, you become. Third thing that, that is what is at stake, you can waste your life. I mean, just flat out, if you, if you don't follow through, you know, but by the grace of God, with the power of the Holy Spirit, you could just waste your life and we could be a wasted church. I mean, do you think you're going to get to the end of your life? Heck, even in five years, do you think you're going to be like, hmm, you know what? I really wish, looking back on my life, looking back in the past five, ten years, man, I wish I would have spent so much more time reading articles about everybody's different opinions. You know what? I, I just did not spend enough time on CNN or Fox News. Gosh, I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have got on social media more and made, shared my opinion about these other things with more and more people for everyone to see. Man, what a missed opportunity. Right? Nobody's going to say that. Now they, but what any of us are in danger of is looking back in our life and being like, man, I didn't well spend that. Just like Ricky in that dumb backpack. Just not well spent. What a, man, I wasted. I insisted on all these silly things and I missed out on what is best. Man, and because I did that, I became something that I didn't want to become rather than who Christ wanted me to become in Him. And my life is just kind of a waste. In that. I mean, this could be true not just for you individually, but I mean, this could be even true for us as a church. I mean, this is what 1 Timothy 1 3 and 4 says. It says, As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus, 
so that you may command certain people to not teach false doctrines any longer, or, and it's very similar to Titus, or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. If you get caught up in that, you're not going to be something to advance God's work. And if, we're, if we become a people or a church that's like, hey, we're going to spend all our time and energy down here, kind of in the gutter with all this stuff, I mean, we're just going to lose our missional effectiveness. We're, we're not going to be eager to do good works, not eager to love other people because we're so captivated by the love that God has for us. We're going to be eager to argue, eager to talk about this, eager to talk about that, rather than, man, I'm so encouraged in who Jesus is. But we will, you will not waste your life if you focus on the one who gave his life for you. You will not waste your life if you focus on Jesus, the one who has given his life for you. Because he is the one that devoted, like, and we can devote ourselves to him and to, to even living a new life, doing good works. Why? Because Jesus devoted himself to you. There are, all, there are these other worthless things out there, but you know what Christ said? He said, you're not worthless to me. And he proved it to you by dying on the cross. He said, I am willing to pay the ultimate price for you and to give my life as a ransom for you and to pay the price for you. Why? Because I'll tell you what, you're not worthless to me. That's how much you're worth, the ultimate price, so that I can bring you who were divided from me, that I could bring you back to me. So that you can know me, so that I could bring you into right relationship with me. Again, not because of anything that you've done, not because of you at all, but according to my mercy and grace, I did that for you. And I'm bringing you into what is, what is excellent, what is good, what, and taking you away from these things that are empty. And it is totally because of what I've done for you. And so, if, if you don't know Christ, I'd say, hey, this is today. Today can be the day where you just say, hey, you know what? Christ. That's what he thinks of me. He thinks that I'm, I'm worth something. Not that I'm worthy, but I'm valuable to him, and he proved it to me on the cross. And I could turn away from these things and turn to Christ. So I just encourage you, trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. And if you, maybe if you have been walking with Christ for a long time, just say, God, am I, is there any area of my life that I'm maybe wasting it? And that I'm becoming somebody that you're not wanting me to become Jesus, give me the strength to focus on you, to insist on you, so that you might continue to live through me and I might be changed.